Hello, thank you for listening to the Scottish Centre for Global History podcast for this interview with me, Oliver Wilson Nunn, and Patricio Simoneto to discuss Patricio's book, Money is Not Everything, The Purchase and Sale of Sex in Argentina in the 20th Century, which was released in Spanish in 2019 and will be released in English in 2022. Patricio received his PhD in Social Sciences and Humanities at the Quilmes National University in Argentina and is currently Mary Sklodowska Curie Fellow at the UCL Institute of the Americas. Patricio, thank you for joining us today. Could you please start by giving us an overview of the main themes and focuses of your book? Uh, well, hello, Olive and Oli, and thanks for the invitation. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, my book is about the role of buying, selling, and also policing sex commerce in Argentina and how it's plays a key role in shaping uh, Argentine sexual culture. In particular, I'm interested in thinking how these practices were cent are central to understand the, the making of heterosexual culture and practices in Argentina. This is to say how men and women participated in or negotiated during their everyday life, uh, how they were experiencing their own sexuality. Uh, likewise, obviously, this, this this book uh, tried to understand broader processes in Argentinian history, as for example, whiteness or class uh, everyday culture, by looking uh, the life of, of people that participate in, in, in selling sex, but also those, those people that were uh, purchasing sexual services. Um, obviously, it is a, also a history about the relationship between sexuality and power. Uh, this is to say, not, not just thinking the power of, of the state, uh, this is to say how, how the state uh, tried to police and modulate these this relationships, but also how everyday people, common people, created power relationships through sexuality, uh, and for, for example, relationship of class, uh, relationship, interfamily relationships, intimate relationships, and how this power crossed these everyday experiences of heterosexuality um, and, and other kind of, of sexual experiences. Um, and also, I would say that my book is about diversity and articulation, borrowing a little historical idea. And in this sense, it shows how sexual commerce has articulated different spheres of life that you should have thought uh, separ separately. <clears throat> For example, uh, uh, harvest production, um, working class families from rural life, uh, ideas about race um, and sexual activity. And by bringing all these spheres together and connecting different scales and times, it tries to understand how uh, how this uh, relationships or how these practices participate in, in the making of the Argentine modern society. Great. That's really nice overview of some of the main issues in your book. And I think something which <laughs> comes across really well in your writing is the heterogen, like heterogeneity of all the relationships that are involved in the buying and selling of sex. So that sort of leads me on to my next question. Given that there, are, there is such a variety and diversity of relationships, both between everyday people, between everyday people and the state, um, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about how you went about accessing, choosing, finding, and ordering your sources for this project. Well, um, my book deal with a with a 
with a huge amount of documentary sources uh, from from doctors writing about sexuality to trial records about common people claiming against prostitutes uh, about getting, for example, a venereal disease or uh, just uh, police persecution against uh, against prostitutes of letters, for example, of of. Uh, important people as Juan Domingo Perón, the president, about uh, sexual commerce and the right of men to, to purchase sex. So I work with a, with a broad, different, and, and diverse uh, documentary sources that all are crossed by, obviously, by different relationships of powers uh, in terms of which voices are more easy to hear and which voices are more easy to 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 find uh, on which people is mediating this 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 voices. So the book has, I think, uh, a good um, a good uh, good insights or advice about how to deal with this kind of material and uh, and how we can try to understand, even if it's in an equal situation, uh, these, these voices and how we can place this in a broader historical narrative. I'm very aware that uh, mostly the sources were produced by the state, they were forced by the states, by the, by the states to learn, for example, in particular, how the, the transition between the regulation of brothels in the 19th century, in which the state usually inscribed prostitutes uh, in their archives, to the production, to the abolitionism of the system, which uh, leads to a, a, another kind of, of documentary sources production, Related with police persecution or police punitive practices over over prostitutes, uh, over women that were selling sex, forced the production of of common people explanations about their practices that they consider natural. Uh, and I'm thinking not only in this pra practices uh, of those who sold sex, that, that my book explores how they define themselves, how they understood what what, what means to sell sex, or what what role it plays in their in their whole life, but also about those people that was purchasing that, that uh, services, in particular common uh, men, in particular working class men that were going to love brothels, brothels looking for those services. So I try to, to, re to not reproduce the relationship of power uh, and to read it along the grain to, to find uh, this richness in this documentary sources uh, about all these people that is participating in, in, in the making of this experience, of the sexual experience. Great, that's super, super interesting. Um, so sort of going off that, um, how did your experience of using these sources differ from previous projects that you've worked on? So I guess what I'm really interested in here is what led you to this topic and how did your experience of working on this topic differ from your previous projects? Uh, well, uh, you're asking me my previous project or all the people projects? So what led you from your previous topic oh. projects to this project? Oh, okay. Well, uh, as you may know, I, I have been always interested in the history of, uh, of sexuality in Latin America, in particular in Argentina, but also I have worked about Mexico 
uh, among other countries. My first work that was entitled uh, Juli la Revolución, between the ancients and revolution, was about the first uh, homosexual movements in Latin America in the late 60s in Argentina, and how this this well this project was about the, the making of a social movement and the, the, how they explore radical ideas uh, from the south of the world and and how we could rethink the relationship with global north narratives that usually place Stonewall at the center of the making of radical um, of revolutionary ideas about sexuality. To be honest, I was a little tired about working about activism and I wanted to think broader social processes because sometimes, uh, well, it's difficult just to read this process is just from a perspective of, of a movement that is obviously a reading of, of this, this movement. And I start seeking, well, what will be my, my next path? Uh, and and I think that to be honest, it was this book was result of a big crisis because I was I was working on a project about a history of all the history of sexuality in Argentina, uh, and I was looking some document archives, and then I found they were destroyed by the state. Uh, so I started saying, well, what am I going to do? Um, just spending hours in the national, on the Archivo Nacional General de la Nación, the, the National Archive of Argentina, I found these, this folder full of letters of journals of the Patagonia writing about how the state was violating the right to purchase sex, in particular, Juan Domingo Perón, um, and this first uh, letter uh, catch my eye and say like, well, this is interesting. Well, these people is talking about something that obviously uh, is natural for me. I know that people does do, do that. Um, uh, and I, like, I also have been offered to do this. So and I start looking for other, for other kind of documents. Um, and I think this is interesting because usually we think, oh, first comes idea, first comes you know, the question, the research question. We like to say that, but at least in my experience, the first thing is uh, the document. I found something that creates that impulse or drives me to a new question. Um, that took me to look to these uh, documentary resources um, in the archives of the, of the justice system in Argentina or the trial records. Um, I found all this collection of testimonies, of common people testimony that we never, or we have never the possibility, or we are not usually uh, allowed to read. And and the particular, and I think that the more special thing about these documents is that they were in rural areas or non, not classic metropolitan areas, and that also. I thought, well, this is even more interesting because we have histories about prostitution that are obviously centered in the cities. But what do we know about how heterosexuality was experienced, for example, in cities about that have 2,000 uh, citizens? Or, and what are the particularities of thinking this? Taking into account the, the place that the idea of rurality played in Argentina because that is also interesting like we have a, a, histori a historiography that usually is over focused in the city but our country um, somehow is built on the idea that we are the producer of food of the world that we are a country that their society is totally linked with rural areas so I think that it was more driving through this, these archives that that the, oh no, that um, threw me like uh, all these questions about it. Um, so, so my, my book uh, in this sense is about 
is more an accident <laughs> than a, a real project. But it was a, 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 a very lucky accident because it allowed me to build, I think, a very strong, uh, expanded uh, history of heterosexual practice in Argentina uh, through this commercialization. Uh, and to think lateral, lateral uh, uh, things uh, that I could, I, I I, I wouldn't be able to think about if I if I was trapped in activism of doctor's idea that was about, well, how people, normal people in everyday life was negotiating the sexuality and how these negotiations about their sexuality uh, could talk us about class formation, about masculinity, about what meaning one mean to be white, for example, or what, or what was the role of whitening in, in Argentine uh, narratives, etc., etc. Et I think that's the book uh, talks about. And I think that's fascinating what you say about how we often have this anxiety that the idea has to come first and then we find the sources. But I think that's probably quite reassuring for lots of people in the early stages of the career that it's not always what happens and you have to be sort of open to improvisation sometimes. So I think that's a really good insight. And then just sort of going off some of the things that you were mentioning more specifically at the end there, you're talking about the importance of the narrative of whiteness in Argentina, but also uh, the importance of um, sex work in defining gender roles and sexuality. And so this leads me on to what I think comes through really clearly, powerfully and well in your study, which is this intersectional focus that you have um, through these different axes of class, gender, race. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a bit about what intersectional research means to you, uh, what challenges it might bring and why it's important. Well, uh, I, I think that m my book, I, I, I don't feel I'm very good in theoretical explanations about intersectionality. I'm more like a reader about it and try to understand. Because usually when you read the theories, it's, it's very interesting, very catching. But sometimes when you go well to the fieldwork, it's like, oh, how am I going to, to do this? Because this precariousness of about, now I'm thinking about the precarious condition of intersections, what shows is how these intersections and how these articulations between race, class, gender is all the time moving. No, on one hand, in terms of uh, the machination, no? the political machination of a social machination about these intersections, uh, or and also in the material life, no? in the everyday day life, and how these intersections are experienced and how they are embodied. Uh, first. I could think about, for example, on my book, try to work a little about whiteness as a, as a, as a central issue in Argentine narrative, as you said. For example, when it addresses what we call a white slavery or trata de blancas. Um, well, uh, and what I try to think about it is how the ideas at the beginning of the 20th and the early 20th century, in particular after the 30s and the crisis of the, the liberal project, about how uh, these immigrants accused us of committing crimes and these prostitutes coming from abroad were 
just expression of the failure of the modernization process through the massive European immigration and how that created a new narrative in which what meant what mean to be a white nation uh, uh, meant in that, in that moment, what, what the meanings about being white and who were really white and who were not. You know? These Eastern Europeans were less white than all the Europeans and on which were the desired um, uh, immigrants of the, the country needed to mo to to re to really impulse this, this modernization modernization um, this turn into the national values and this alleged idea about how our national values were more pure than Europeans and we were not so easily corrupted as particular Argentine women no, were not easily corrupted as European women because uh, of the Catholic nation obviously. Uh, they imagine that no, these women were less uh, uh, possibly corrupted. In particular, I'm thinking in, right, in very extreme right thinkers, nationalistic thinkers, uh, Manuel Galvez, for example. Um, but um, also, uh, well, th th this narrative, I think, uh, helps us to, to, to think at least this, this first moment, a foundational moment of, of the wideness discussion in Argentina in the 20th century, that is still a, a main issue. You know, so we can notice for the, the recent declaration of Argentine president about our society that comes from the boats or, or, or the president that usually use that metaphor to think about the, the nation. Um, and, and also, I think when I think about intersectionality in my book, I think about how ideas about intimacy, but also how practices, intimate practices, played a key role in the making of, of working class experiences, in particular of, of, of women and, uh, and girls' experiences of, of their class. Uh, for example, the anxiousness about uh, leaving home, um, having their own life, their independence, and how this usually this uh, this intentions of living house were challenging. No, were in challenges in terms of economically challenging because well, you need money to do that, and how sometimes selling sex work as an additional as a complement of some kind of works to construct this new life, or getting married with a man that usually uh, put them in a very unique relationship inside their own family and how they negotiated these this, this unique relationships. But also how they experienced it uh, in, in their body, these this, uh, unique uh, relationships or, uh, about crossed by class, but also by gender you know, in, in their families and with other social agents uh, and particular state agents, for example, doctors. You know? For example, when they were uh, forced to go through uh, tests about their virginities and very invasive practices about to test their alleged morality in terms to decide their, their future. So my book is all the time thinking on, on these topics. I think that the third example, maybe to, to, to close this, this, um, this question, is how the book, as, as other books, so for example, I think in Lara Putnam's book, works on the connections between sexual commerce and other kinds of work of commerce. How it's important to think in a local scale how these women, for example, sometimes were following the harvest seasons, looking for these men that were moving to one place to another uh, to 
to to work and how they were trying to get money from that moving to the city when when there was you know the season city the holidays but then moving to the harvest areas when it was uh time for for, for uh workers for for seasonal workers to to be there um and i think that connections help us understand uh the the central role of sexual commerce in a broader economical process of the countries as producer of pleasure for the labor force so i think that the book offers different insights to intersectionality and and, and different uh, readings and possibilities and challenges in order to to build this this narratives that was a really rich uh, answer so thank you for that um so sort of you mentioned how your work relates to other um histories of uh, sexuality and in relation to other forms of labor but i was also interested in sort of again working off your discussion of uh, the particular ways in which whiteness class and gender interact in argentina how um, your work relates to uh, previous histories of sex sex work in Latin America. So thinking about the works of Aydona, Paladrinot, or um, Tiffany Cipial. So are there any, do you think there's any many major specificities to the Argentine context? And do you think there are um, many patterns which can be generalized at a regional level? Well, um, obviously I think that there are major differences, but also a lot of common places there is a common talk about it i think that um one thing is about uh, state policies uh there is a general idea that there are some periods uh like common periods to, to think about regulation abolitionism as paulo did not show that this is not clear for example in peru you know like regulation came made after argentina of the countries we are thinking of, of of abolition of that system so i think that uh, Every country has something to to make these discussions. This global discussion is now usually mediated by the League of Nations or the Society of Nations about, well, which is a system that will be useful to manage this this anxiousness created about related with sexual commerce, uh, and, and also how does debates play a role in the making of of a nation building? And they were thinking about different. Uh, challenges for their own countries in terms of which will be the future of our country and how, for example, the spree of analysis challenged this future for our country or not, or how we could uh, track these this challenges. So I think that the first, first dimension, it will be about periods of time. Now my book is mostly focused in abolition period, while usually the other books focuses on the regulation a period, and in particular, for example, Dora, uh, Dona Guy books, you know, like it's the, more cl the most classic book, uh, and it's a person where I work uh, closely to do my book. So, because obviously, it was the, the, the first person to dialogue with. Also, because uh, in particular, thinking in Dona Guy book, but in distance with mine, obviously, Dona was doing like a first st step work about, well, the major ideas. No, the gender trends about it, the cultural production of this, uh, because also was a very in the nineties was I think there was a, a broader interest in that there was a need to go through this um, 
process of building national narratives or thinking about how this process of dialogue with national narratives. But while I think that my book, uh, because that pro the work has been done before, my book had the, the benefit of being able to track more uh, practices from below. That aren't always so easy to track because you have to have the sources to do it. I think that, for example, Lara Pundem book could do it, like more closely to mine. But when you read Paolo's book, he's all the time there. Well, it's very difficult because in Peru, all these archives aren't accept are not accessible, or it's more difficult to find uh, documents in which there is some kind of voice of these people, um, which makes makes them very difficult, um, sometimes complemented book, complementary books. I think that now uh, every book of, about this topic is bringing something uh, to talk about that is about the male participation in the sexual commerce. And, and that, I think, Paula's book is amazing. And also my book has something to say about it that is like, well, why when we think in sexual commerce, we're usually thinking of women selling sex and not thinking on how men play a key role in the participation on this. I'm talking about pimps. I'm talking about clients. While we know about clients, what was the role of clients in this? And how this, and what was the role of buying, for, buying sex for these clients and the making of their own culture? And, and, and I think in that, in that direction, I think that the, one of the major contributions of my book is to demoralize our notions about class. You know, it was like, my, I have a broader question that is like, why history of labor usually address all the kinds of leisure activities as playing football, union, trade unions activities, but they usually don't address brothels as space of working class, or usually space for working class men or as usual space also for, for men from the elites. And I think that the reason why is because usually the people that's writing these books has a moralistic uh, idea of class. They think that talking about this is uh, saying something wrong, of showing the working class is not as perfect, it's not fighting, it's not the subject we want. No, the subaltern is not saying what we want to listen about it. And sometimes in this intimate relationship, we see how power relationships are across them with people and are foundational of their own experience of class uh, and their own experience of of, of masculinity and explain a lot about how they fight, how they, how they act in the public, what we could call the public sphere, how they act in political life. So because I have the, the I, I believe, I truly believe that the personal is political and in the sense I mean that there is not possibility of thinking in political agency and of thinking in historical agency without thinking in the, pro, in the intimate dimensions of life. I try to address how masculinity but, uh, was negotiated and created in everyday life through these uh, conversations about these guys talking about, well, fucking with women or going to the brothel of uh, what they did in bed or how much they stay in bed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that's a main uh, uh, Inter interpretation of my book that, that is interesting uh, and also I think the scale you now like thinking 
of a longer scale, but about the 20th century and not so century and the, the late 19th century and the early 20th century, but trying to take it a little further onto the 70s and 80s. Uh, that's, that's, I think, that, that could ring sort of conversation, a refresh on the conversation that is, is interest. And, and, and as I said, I think contributes to this, all these amazing books that are talking about this topic and are helping us to build this puzzle puzzle about uh, how Latin American sexuality was built. It's really, really interesting. Thank you. Um, so maybe sort of to start to bring things to a close, uh, based on all these things that you've been talking, but also focusing on the uh, emphasis that you've placed on the uh, time scale that you cover in your book, um, what do you think the significance of your research is for the contemporary moment? How do you think that your research that covers most of the 20th century can help us understand the present day? Yeah, well, to be honest, as I say in my book, my book is about a history about the short 20th century, a still in husband idea. Uh, it's a little tricky of the, it's a trick of the, of the title in which I'm, I'm interested in on the making of abolitionism, uh, the abolition of regulated system hegemony and somehow it's how it consolidates as the main dominant perspective in Argentina, but also as, a, as the main experience related with these practices. Um, and so, so it goes through the 20s to the, to the return of democracy, because after several reforms of, the law, of this uh, the regime, it comes back to the to original uh, law that was in the 30s about, well, Argentina is an abolitionist country, we'll have an abolitionist strategy, and this is the, the legal system, the real regulated system, now, uh, paradoxically. Um, on that matter, I think that's a first dimension that my book can contribute to think the contemporary Argentina is related to, well, the challenges and now the discussions now about, well, uh, if the system works or not, by showing how the system was... Uh, open to a punitive interpretation by state agencies and how it would use in particular to punish women that were selling sex more than to attack them or to attack other people that was participating in the system. And in that sense, it can contribute to a broader debate about it. I think that more profoundly beyond the legal debates, my book, it's about a historiographical question about wh why when we think about the history of sexuality, we're usually invited to think about non-hegemonic sexualities or sexualities that are moving beyond the borders. Why we should think about the history of homosexuality or to think about the history of trans history or, or queer history uh, and not trying to build histories of those people that is a majority, or at least that they claim to be the majority for our society. So if they're the majority, the, uh, the we should be more interested in, in trying to mm, formulate questions about it. So I, I found that very interesting because as, as a gay historian, obviously for reading the documents without lens, produce me, give me more insight, insight that when usually straight people read it because I felt no engagement with our words. I couldn't find myself. I was totally lost in translation. What is this people talking about? This is disgusting. Uh, like, and that I think that helped me 
to give historical density to their experience. And I found that is an important contribution to think of ourselves today, because I think that the power of heterosexuality over other sexualities is mostly based on this idea that it's an historical experience and that our experience is uh, a short experience, it's experience of the 20th century, it's a, it's a modern experience, it's, not, it's, a, it's a constructed experience. By showing that, well, all these experience, experiences are being constructed. So by showing that every of these experiences is artificial, not, not, in a, not in a, I'm not using the word artificial in, in a meaning like fake, artificial, I mean, you know, artificial in the way that everyone is fortunate, everyone is participating in fortunate them uh, with different power relationships and, and, and all. Um, I'm trying to make uh, a point about, well, let's talk about heterosexuality and let's talk about heterosexuality today. How much of this we're talking in this book is still present today in our own private life and how much of this we're doing uh, to reproduce this or to change this. And I'm thinking in particular about masculinity and how guys or usually men imagine themselves and how they imagine themselves in relation with the nation and how they imagine themselves in relationship with their own personal experience. And I think the book in that sense can contribute to, to think of modern Argentina in a, broader, in a broader sense. And obviously, likewise, to think how, for example, this process of us, for example, whitening, whiteness or... Um, class formation, class culture formation are still uh, milestones of, of, of key processes of Argentina modern society. Great. That's a, I think that's a perfect place to end. That was a really, really uh, interesting answer. Um, so nothing more to say than thank you, Patricio, for talking about your book today. It's been a pleasure. Um, and thank you, everyone. Uh, for listening to the Scottish Centre for Global History, and there'll be more podcasts soon.